Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast, episode ninety-nine. My name is Aaliyah. Yeah, you 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 hear it right. I'm hosting today. I am here with Mr. Michael Doeys. Hello, Miss Allison Hartley. Hello, and new to our show today, Mr. Doug Oliver. Hello, Doug, and welcome. Hey, good evening, everybody. All right, so today. We are going to get into a different uh, main topic, but we wanted to start, rather than talking about this week's news, we're going to talk about uh, some things that we saw today at the Microsoft Store, and that is some of the new Microsoft products. So we saw the Surface Pro 6, the newest Surface laptop, and we also saw not brand new but new enough the surface go so i guess i'll uh start and folks feel free to pitch in you know as as we go along the thing that i was most impressed by was the surface pro 6 i have to say it's a pretty significant upgrade and as a college student i don't want to be carrying around like a heavy laptop in my bag i don't want to break my back and you know because the Windows computer I have, while it's great, it's fantastic, it is kind of bulky. So maybe, you know, I'm not, I'm, I can be a little hesitant to carry it to campus because of everything else that I have to carry, Braille display and iPad and all this stuff. I just, I have to carry all this. So, you know, the Surface Pro 6 honestly would be something that I would strongly consider carrying to class with me. It's very light. It is. It has its own kickstand built in, so it sets up. The keyboard is very good. It's plasticky. It kind of feels like a Logitech kind of keyboard, but I feel like it's still sturdy. And I'm sure you can replace it if things go badly or, you know, if you lose a key or something. I'm sure that it can be replaced. It also has a magnetic uh, attachment for the Surface Pen. And you can use the the mouse with it if you need. And also the volume and the quality of the sound is very good. Uh, I played a little bit with a Surface Pro 4 and was saddened by the sound quality. And even today, the Surface Pro 5 was right next to the new ones. And I did a comparison and, man, in a... In a noisy open store, it was kind of hard to hear narrator on the Surface Pro 5. But man, that Surface Pro 6 sounded like they chopped the top off a Surface Book and stuck it with a Surface Pro keyboard. <laughs> it was really good, I have to say. A lot of bass. You're not going to get a lot of bass out of a tablet. Um, and I definitely think that my iPad Pro speakers could outdo it. However, it was much improved. And I feel like it's more of a laptop sound than the previous Surface Pros. And remember that these are just, they're tablets, mainly. They're not fully-fledged laptops. I would love a Surface Book, but, I mean, the Surface Pro is also a very viable alternative. And apparently you can spec it out pretty decently, not quite to the extent that you can the 
Surface Book, but you can get a pretty high-end version if you need a little bit more power. Yeah. Um, it also has a quad-core processor in it, even the baseline, instead of the dual-core of the previous generation. That's great. Yeah, the while it's not a laptop, the Surface Pro line is quite capable. I mean, it's very much... You know, it has the full version of Windows. It's not like it's running iOS with a keyboard. It is running a full version of Windows. You know, Windows 10 Pro, I believe. And so it gives it a lot of power. The only thing I'm disappointed about is that the only models that have USB-C are the Surface Books and the Surface Go. The other ones have USB-A, which is great, but, you know, the future is kind of moving towards the C. Personally, I'm kind of happy about the USB-A because as many times as I get thumb drives in class or need to use my thumb drive for something to transfer something or I'm, I'm kind of happy about it. I do wish it did have USB-C, but I don't know that I would want to lose my USB-A necessarily. I'm kind of torn there. The next device that we saw is the new Surface laptop. And I mean, if you put the two, the Surface Pro and the Surface laptop next to each other and didn't know any better, you might mistake them. Except that the Surface laptop does not, is not two pieces. Uh, the Surface laptop is very thin, has a similar style keyboard to the Surface Pro, and is essentially a very similar device, except that you can't remove the tablet. And so... It didn't have as good of a sound, I feel like, though. I think the Surface Pro had it beat. But, you know, I was I was kind of underwhelmed by that, by the Surface Laptop. Yeah, the Surface Laptop is nice. It has a very sleek design when you close the lid. And it has the same keyboard as the Surface Pros. So I don't like when you close it, you kind of can feel that fabric you know, between the two pieces of metal. I don't know that I care for that. Otherwise, though, if you just want a good laptop, it'll work for you. And again, no no USB-C. So uh, any devices that use that, you will not get to work. So, again, Would that's kind of a Would you compare it more to a MacBook Air or more to, is it comparable to the Surface Book in terms of specs? No. Comparable to a MacBook Air. Maybe even the MacBook. Yeah, I would say more mm -hmm. the MacBook than the Air. I feel like the Air is so a little more capable. Actually, the Air is kind of... Uh, well, the Air can be more capable as far as processor and different things, but the MacBook is the flagship, kind of the middle of the line because of all of its USB... I mean, uh, SSD and uh, Retina screen. Yeah. So, yeah. But I did some... I mean... I did some pretty heavy work on my MacBook Air when I had one, and I feel like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't. I think the Surface Laptop feels a bit like a netbook kind of, <laughs> um, but I think it's kind of a, the bridge between a tablet and a full workstation laptop. So. The other thing that we saw was the Surface Go, and oh my goodness, that thing is tiny! Similar keyboard again, 
um, very fabric-y, but tiny and very neat looking. I don't have much else to say about that other than it was pretty quiet. I will say this, though. If you're looking at 300, what was it, $350 for yeah. a tablet? Yeah. That is a nice tablet, 10-inch tablet, and works with Surface Pen and has a keyboard you can use. Yeah, that's going to be the best bang for your buck. When you compare it to the iPad, the regular iPad, the Surface Go, by far, is the best choice. Because of size, what you get, the screen, the keyboard, and a full operating system. So And a kickstand, I believe. So, yeah, it's a very good machine. I almost bought one, if you remember back in the day. I do, and then you got... with my Surface Book. Then you went, Surface Book, Surface Book, Surface Book. Um... <laughs> But I mean, the Surface Book is a very nice machine, and if we, if, if I was picking today a new laptop, I would, I would pick the Surface Book. Still, the Surface Pro is nice. Don't get me wrong, but I really, I can't detach myself from having a, a bit of a workhorse for a computer, especially to run Jaws. And, um, you know, Jaws ran even okay, even on the Surface Pro Four, but I just. I can't detach myself from from having a work a workhorse machine because I like to be able to code if I need to or you know do heavy processor heavy tasks and if I need and I just I think I would still pick the Surface Book. Also, I like the Surface Book keyboard better. It's glorious. All right. Does anybody have any final thoughts on this? Yeah, I was going to ask, Doug, out of what you've heard, what what model uh, has your interest most of all? I would say the Surface Book, because, you know, having more of a workhorse to do different things, you know, kind of, I would have to agree with Aaliyah on that one. Um, and that's pretty much my thought. My question is, do these, do any of these have fans like typical computers do? Yes, actually, all of them do. Okay. Because of the high power Intel chips in them. I mean, I think gone are the days of the giant fan grill on the side of a computer, but um, mm -hmm. they, they're they all going to have some sort of cooling. Well, it's not loud. It's like not a oh, loud no. fan like computers no. used to be. Okay. Well, you know, on the Surface I mean, Book, you barely hear it when it runs. Haven't really seen loud fans in some time. Oh, you can get the Surface uh, Book and the MacBook Pro fans going pretty loud. I've I... you can, but they don't do it by default. You know how the old computers, even an, the old Dell that half works, when you boot it up, it goes it the fan kicks when you boot it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a test. It is, but uh, but yeah. yeah, you don't hear that anymore. As much as you used to. All right. Let's uh, move on before we do our main topic to our ad. I want to talk briefly about our training services. iAccessibility offers training classes in many different areas, including but not limited to iOS, Mac, Windows, Office, various note takers, and... Pretty much 
a lot of things that you can think of screen readers you know basic computer concepts we can even teach android so if you're looking for training we are very reasonably priced 18 dollars an hour and our trainers are well qualified to help you with whatever you need if you're interested in learning more please go to iaccessibility.net slash training or email training at iaccessibility.net. But wait, there's more. Is there? Yes. Remember, folks, the first hour of your training is free. That's right. With any paid training purchase, you will receive the first hour at no cost. All right. So... The main topic of our show is something that kind of gets on my nerves about how little it's understood. And that is the concept of accessibility versus usability. We talk a lot about how this app isn't accessible. This app isn't accessible. This program, this website, this whatever isn't accessible to me. And... I don't think a lot of times the term usable is used because there's a, there's a big difference. Accessibility kind of has this connotation of following guidelines and meeting standards and providing content in a specific way. Whereas usability refers to, okay, yeah, it may follow guidelines, but how well can I actually get at that information? Or no, it doesn't follow the guidelines, but maybe I can still access these these apps and in, in this information in a way that's meaningful. So we had a bit of an experience earlier today, and you will hear it on an upcoming Unboxcast, where the Cortana app by Microsoft, this, the app has a button which is inaccessible. The menu is not accessible. And we say inaccessible because literally you cannot find it on the screen. It is not available to the user of screen reading software. And whereas the app is usable in the sense that the button labels are kind of gross, but I can push through most of them, except for that menu. And that's a big deal breaker for me in terms of usability of a product. And I think we need to be careful when we talk about certain things not being accessible, that we actually mean what we're saying. So this is not accessible. I cannot access it. I literally cannot perform a certain task. Not, it's not very usable for me because, you know, the elements aren't labeled well or something. But there's, there's a big difference. And I think we need to be cautious when, when talking about this topic and, you know, bringing issues to developers and telling them what's going on rather than just making this giant blanket statement of your app's not accessible, grr. We need to be a little bit more nuanced with it. Maybe the app isn't accessible, but what parts are usable? 
you know, can you get to anything? Um, I'd be interested to hear other folks' thoughts on this. Um, let's see. Allison, let's start with you. Well, to me, when I think of this notion of accessibility versus usability, it does to some extent come down to how well and how adeptly you can use your assistive technology of choice. And that's why I think that that training ad that you did was so appropriate for this particular topic. Because technology in general and apps and websites and various platforms are just becoming more complex by their very nature. And so the complexity increases. And so when the complexity increases, the steps that we have to take as screen reader users sometimes to use these various apps and websites um, becomes a little bit more complex. So that's why, for me, um, what really helps me be able to use apps that may not necessarily be um, quote-unquote accessible as far as standards are concerned, or even to access apps that by some may be considered not as usable is being a power user on all of the platforms that I use on a daily basis. Yeah, and, you know, we get it. For some people, technology doesn't come naturally. You know, we, and it's it can be hard to learn, even in the most basic of, of concepts, and that's okay. But, you know, also, understanding when it is hey, this, this is broken, this is not accessible. And when it is, I may not know how to get somewhere because of my knowledge of, a, of technology, is, it's an important distinction to make. Mm -hmm. Michael, what are your thoughts? So, you know, I've done a lot of testing of different websites and I've developed apps and I've done a lot of different things with you know, accessibility and usability. And I've spoken to a lot of folks on what this means to them. And, you know, we were looking at Microsoft Excel for the Mac the other day. And while it's accessible, usable, how usable it is, is a different thing altogether. Because it is so convoluted to do certain things with voiceover because of how Excel and voiceover work together that, you know, Aliyah, you had some trouble figuring out how some of this worked. And I, you know, I had to go in and just read the documentation from Microsoft. And, and that happens a lot is sometimes it is not evident how a thing works. And so you will have to go in and, you know, find out what you can. And sometimes it may prove not to be usable or accessible so so what you're saying is rt expletive m oh we, <laughs> we we can we don't have we don't have to cut out the the other letter in that but yes so i honestly sometimes it does help to read the documentation you know the when you're using jaws read the jaws quick start you know when you're using a program you know look up the keystrokes and see how it works you know, see if others have tried to do the same thing you're doing, because I hear so often a lot of people say who are in the community, I can't use that app. It's not accessible. Well, hold on a minute. Is it now? 
because you know we hear of other people using these apps or these services but what it might be is a usability issue is how well are you able to use that app and this comes guys more not just for people that are blind there is a term that's used in the general design world called ux user experience and this term uh, denotes how well a program is made or a website or a book how well the user experience in using that product or service is and so this is not just something that plagues us who are blind there are people who have issues figuring out how to use certain features on facebook that are cited there are people that have issues figuring out how to use certain things uh you know on office and so these things are accessible to people but usable and you know there are some people that are colorblind who can't see certain things it's usable uh to some but not accessible to others and so it's very much a matter of perspective and sometimes it boils down to finding alternative methods for accessing the same content or in the case of the sea lady app because we're going to have to start calling it that now uh reaching out to the developers and saying hey this doesn't work because nobody can access it who's using a screen reader which is a very big population of users since it's a speech-based application all right and doug what are your thoughts on this I kind of am going along the same lines of what Allison said is like, how, how much do you know how to use the assistive using what a particular program with, be it, you know, Outlook or Word or whatever. My thing is what I try to do with an app, for example, is I'll try to actually explore, you know, where things are and I'll just, you know, you know, we're sure where something is, I'll kind of explore. But a lot of times I've even played around with apps that, you know, you may have to go through and with JAWS, for example, use the OCR feature and try to read it and access what I want. And then basically if I can't, then basically I know that that app is not very usable pretty much. Right. And in a situation like that, in it's either it's not usable and it's not accessible there are, it doesn't meet the standards if you're having to ocr something an image on a site then no it's not accessible and and you would be fully right in saying this isn't accessible <laughs> um another consideration that that i think has to be made is what platform are you using to access it are you still using Internet Explorer to try and access modern websites? If so, whew, okay. If you come across a problem, maybe think about trying it in a different browser because Internet Explorer mm -hmm. is going away. As much as we don't like to hear that and as much as we can get frustrated by it, it's going away. Microsoft is not going to keep maintaining that. And also, is your software up to date? Are you trying to access a modern website on Windows XP? Please tell me no. Um, <laughs> it happens, folks. There are still people running Windows XP. Oh, it's Lord. time to get off that train, ladies and gentlemen. Well, in, in that same vein uh, of discussion, we 
went to a uh, I went to a comic book shop last year, and a friend of mine bought something, and their credit card terminal used dial-up. I'm not kidding. Again, I say it's time to get off that train, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, my question to you guys is. What are some situations that you've been in where you've had to determine if something was inaccessible or just not something that you could figure out how to use? Uh, for example, Aliyah, you've had situations where uh, stuff would be inaccessible on like the Mac with voiceover, but then you would go to... Uh, you know, Windows and use JAWS or NVDA and another browser and it would work. Mm -hmm. Do you still consider that to be inaccessible or just unusable in certain circumstances? And what are some other examples? It depends on the coding of the website and what I'm looking at. So I consider something usable if I can get at it from any one of the technology options that I have available. It may not be accessible, it may not meet those guidelines. And the thing to be careful of when we start hollering that something is broken on the Mac, it may well meet accessibility guidelines, but Apple's not given much love to voiceover lately. And you got to wonder sometimes, is it because Apple's not updating voiceover to be able to play nice with modern websites and applications? And that's concerning to me. And so you've got to think about that. Is it because, like, on the Mac, if you open a platform and you hear button, 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 oh, dear, that's some bad coding. Switch browsers. Buttons are labeled. Uh-oh. Okay. Safari is not always the optimum browser to be looking at stuff in, folks. If you try it in Google Chrome on the Mac and it still doesn't work, then you can kind of think, okay, maybe it really is an access issue. If you are able to switch to Windows and find that it does work on Windows using any number of screen reader web browser combinations, then, okay, you know, there's, there's, there's some real complex things that you have to look at and some things you're not going to know. Is the website compliant with current accessibility guidelines? that's hard you can't you can't know that and i've had web developers and salespeople on many different academic platforms go it's accessible and they have accessibility statements on their websites i have tried three browsers on windows with two different screen readers i have tried <coughs> two browsers on the mac with one screen reader and it still doesn't work that smells fishy to me at that point. Yeah. Uh, that makes me wonder, <laughs> how dedicated are you to making your product accessible? Really? I mean, let's think about this here. Are we are we using buzzwords to get people to buy your product? Call me call me cynical, call me obnoxious, but you know, sometimes if it if it if it looks like a fish and smells like a fish, you know, it's fish. So sometimes sometimes there are websites like that but you gotta you gotta be able to kind of do some testing and no not everybody's gonna have access to both windows and a mac if you have access to windows i would say that you're you're good you know most of the time 
things that don't work on Windows aren't going to work on the Mac either. Now, the other way is not always true. And if you have a Mac and you have like 15 bucks, you can go get Windows 10 licenses for that. Um, I don't know whether that's that deal still going on, but even still, Windows 10 licenses aren't that expensive. And run it in bootcamp. Run it in a virtual machine of some variety. And if you're having trouble, go test it on Windows. Because the days of... Not that they ever existed, but the days of... I have a Mac and this should be accessible on all platforms. Yeah, well, <laughs> in the world full of sunshine and daisies and roses, that is true. However, most workplaces, academic institutions, and businesses are running Windows. Yep. Extensive testing may not be done with the Mac, especially in terms of accessibility. Should it be accessible on the Mac? Absolutely. But I think that it's more than a one-sided problem. I think it's not only a problem with the website and the web developer, I think it's a problem with Apple. And not giving voiceover love. And unfortunately, there may come a time when I won't do any web browsing on my Mac because things may stop working with voiceover. I may have to get rid of my Mac and I will kick and scream and punch things and go all the way up to Tim Cook's desk before I do it. But it may come to that where my Mac is not a viable option anymore. And that hurts, man, that hurts. It's part of the reason I got rid of mine. That and the keyboard choices they made. You know, voiceover has not really taken modern web standards seriously for, I would say, a number of years. And it's really starting to show now. And I would say voiceover on iOS as well. That's correct. And uh, as far, whenever I speak to folks that do, you know, accessibility testing, they use NVDA and Chrome on Windows. And it's, you got to think about it like this, guys. It's, we're all unique as people, right? And we all have to wear different size shirts. We all have to do different things. And are you calling me fat? I am not calling anybody fat. <laughs> but there are certain clothes that may not fit a, a person a certain way. And we're getting to this point with uh, our web, with our computers, that we have so many different variations. I mean, look, we have Android, we have Windows, we have Mac, we have iOS, Chrome OS, others, different versions of Linux, different browsers. You can't develop for all of them. Each one, you know, Safari uses a certain rendering engine. Internet Explorer uses a rendering engine. <laughs> the death engine. Uh, Edge uses its <laughs> own. Chrome, all of them use, Firefox, all of them use different ways of rendering websites and screen readers work with them a different way. There is ways that you can use what's called a document object model to make things accessible, but sometimes not all of that is exposed to the browser. And sometimes now, guys, uh, browsers make it more difficult for screen readers to get to the information WordPress. because of security. Well, WordPress is something else. Yeah, but... but I mean, uh, but at the same time, you know, it's not a one size fits all for accessibility. So what 
works on one machine, one platform may not work on others because of the nature of how it was developed. And it's one of those things that you have to determine if I'm going to be using this on a regular basis, I may have to look at different choices of what machines I'm going to be using. And that's just the reality of it. But before we go on, I, you know, Allison and Doug, I'd like to hear any accessibility versus usability uh, issues you guys have seen. Well, I remember for me when the Echo first came out, the Amazon Echo, you had to set it up. You could either use the website or you could use the A-Lady app. And the A-Lady app in the beginning, it has gotten a lot better, but my God, it was an accessibility nightmare in the beginning. You could use it if you were okay with clicking on unlabeled buttons and hoping that they were going to do what you thought they were going to do. But it was not a pretty experience. Whereas using the website with JAWS on Windows 7 at the time was a completely different experience. It was at once accessible and usable. And you could make it work really well and set up everything you wanted to set up. Now, thank goodness they have seen the light and, and moved forward. And now the A-Lady app is quite... Um, quite accessible in addition to being usable, but even in the darkest hour of its inaccessibility, it was usable if you were willing to plunk around and, and uh, go down some wrong paths for a little bit. But it was not the average tech user would have had would have had problems. For me, I would have to say iTunes with the latest iTunes. One day I tried to work with iTunes on my computer with Windows um, 10. And basically I could not get to anything using JAWS or NVDA or nothing. It's like it was accessible before and it just was a nightmare. I had to downgrade to an older version of iTunes just to be able to get what I wanted done. And I feel like if I want to get something done, I should not have to trade to an older version of a program, you know, just to get something done because I want to always stay current with my software. Yeah. And it's, that's an issue with Skype currently now too. It's bad. Skype is pretty atrocious right now on oh. many platforms. I, I have a group that I'd love to be able to keep up with, but I tried to download an older version of Skype on my Mac, and before I could get turn off auto-updates, it had updated to the latest Skype. <sighs> and it will not allow me to download and use the older version. And so that's frustrating for me because on Windows, I struggle with the newest Skype. On Mac, I struggle with it. iOS, it's not great. I, You know, but it's... Every button I tab to is labeled, but I certainly can't half the time find the chat on Windows. And the Mac has no navigation to be able to jump to anything quickly. So... It's really rough, and I'm not happy with Microsoft right now. But I wouldn't necessarily say that in all cases it's an accessibility problem. Their buttons are labeled. 
It's a usability problem because of the navigation it's, issues. It's just getting to those fields that you need, like the contacts and all that stuff, yeah. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this episode of the IA cast. And as usual, we are going to do picks and contact information. So, Allison, what is your pick and where can people find you online? My pick is something that we've got now that we're at our home. It's called the August Smart Lock. And it is about the coolest thing in the entire world. It is a lock that goes over your existing deadbolt. You have to take off the plate and put this accessory onto your door. And it is controllable via the lady, via home kit. Um, and it allows you to remotely even lock or unlock your door. It sends a push notification every time the door is locked or unlocked. I can check from my bed in the middle of the night if I think, did I lock the door after I took my out? Um, it is about the coolest thing that I have bought. It was, I think I paid 200 for it because I got the Smart Lock Pro that has this little sensor that you can install to make sure that your door is closed all the way. And um, I really love it and I would recommend it. The app is accessible, but honestly, once you have it set up, work through HomeKit and A-Lady, you don't really need the app. So I'm very, very happy with that pick. And as far as finding me online, you can find me contributing content to iAccessibility and on other projects as well. To find out I'm up to, the best way to keep in touch is to follow me on Twitter at Hot4Technology. That's Hot, the number four, technology. You can also send me an email at allison at iaccessibility.net. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N at iaccessibility.net. All right, and Doug, what is your pick and where can people find you online? My pick is something that I have and have had for a little while, which I'm going to be upgrading from, is the iPhone 6SE for those who have one. You know, of course you have your headphone jack, but honestly, the, in the home button, and I'm honestly, yep, the SE, yes. And I'm getting ready to change over to the 10S Max as soon as I can. And I like it. Because, you know, it, it, it works well, but I want something that works better. If people want to contact me, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Duggo2002. That's D-O-U-G-O-2002. And if anyone wants to email me, uh, you can email me. D Yeah, it's doliver3583 at T wc.com all right and michael what's your pick so my pick this week is a speaker that we we just did an unbox cast on uh today and that is the microsoft invoke made by Harden Car uh, cardon i always get their name wrong so uh it's a nice speaker using the uh, ours is muted, right? Yes. Using the uh, assistant Cortana that lets you speak to the device and have it play Spotify, other music, uh, speak random, you know, uh, jokes and facts, 
And it also lets you do some things that work with Windows, which we have not tested yet. So I'm curious to see how that will work. Shakespeare's work has been translated into more than 80 languages, including Klingon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and interestingly, when it's muted, the top light on it is very, very red. Interesting. Okay. So... Uh, the speaker's Jupiter's pretty cool. Spot is a huge thinning storm that's like... I just hit it with my nose. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a neat speaker. It has some really neat features, some inaccessibility in the Sea Lady app, uh, but seems to be working... Well, seem to work pretty well in Windows. But I'm excited about them. The sound is pretty good. We found some interesting... Things that it cuts out a lot of lows when the uh, volume is turned up. Well, also, if you crank, if it, if it, the poor little speaker, if it had to vibrate, all those lows at the highest volume would probably walk right off the desk. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, but it sounds pretty good. It sounds really good, and so I can't wait to mess with it some more and figure out how it works. So. If you want to get a hold of me, you can in many ways. You can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can find me on Facebook. Just search for Michael Doeys. On Twitter, I am Mike Doeys. You can email me at MikeDoeys at iAccessibility.net. That's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. And you could also go to my website at MichaelDoeys.com, which I may update someday. Someday my prince will come. Anyway. All right. Wow. All right. Um, I'm done. I, it's been a long day, folks. I, that's my only excuse. All right. My pick for this week is YouTube TV. It is available for many, many platforms, except don't buy it on the Apple TV. Don't use it on the Apple TV right now because the home and library tabs are not accessible. That's right. I said not accessible. You can't read any of the elements. And why am I talking this fast? Anyway, YouTube TV allows you to um, access f several channels and shows, many, many shows. Uh, you get local news, local content, which is very nice for me. I am a local news junkie. I love it. And I like to hear local weather. So you can get push notifications for shows. You can add them to your library, which means any occurrence of that show will be recorded and accessible immediately. As the minute it starts, the show starts, you can go um, find it and start it from the beginning or where it currently is live. So it's very, very neat. Uh, available, as I said, for about, for about $40 a month. And... Uh, Pretty accessible on iOS. Yep, I will be using it to watch Doctor Who right after this podcast. Hey. Maybe not right after food. This, but, but we will have dinner and then have food. <laughs> we'll have dinner Wait. and then I'll watch Doctor Who. <laughs> <coughs> All right. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can do so. You can find me producing content for iAccessibility. Email me at Aaliyah. That's A-L-E-E-H-A at iAccessibility.net. Follow me on Twitter at BlindCowGirl199. I promise I don't talk this fast on my Twitter. You can find iAccessibility all over the web. Just search for iAccessibility on your favorite search engine. You can email us at feedback at iAccessibility.net and tell me to shut up. You can follow us on Twitter at iAccessibility1. Search for us on Facebook. Facebook. 
Just search for iAccessibility. And you can download our free app for iOS. Just search for iAccessibility in the Apple App Store. And if you'd like to help us out by donating so that we can purchase more cool stuff and unbox it and complain about it or love it or any number of things on our podcasts or if you'd like to help support our servers which do cost money you want to keep this show running please donate there's a big shiny donate button on iaccessibility.net please go take advantage of it all right with that said i am going to go find food and that's going to do it for this episode of the ia cast thanks so much everyone for being here and putting up with me thank you very much goodbye everyone and one more Bye. thing. One more thing. All right, Tim Cook. What? Next recording is episode one hundred. One hundred awesome. episodes that is of the IA Cast. Been amazing. It is amazing. I remember starting this thing as just me on a terrible microphone called the, the Blue Snowball. Blue Snowball, which and, I'm currently uh, letting my dog use as a toy. Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> so it's it's we've come a long way, and we're going to talk all about that next week so we'll see you then guys goodbye bye guys bye 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 copyright 2018 iaccessibility llc